My name is Jeremy Bakken. I'm the Director of Worship and Sacred Music at Northwestern Publishing House. Today we're with Pastor Tim Borman, uh, author of Deep as the Sea, Letters for Survivors of Trauma, recently published by Northwestern Publishing House. And uh, Tim, to get started, why don't you just tell us uh, a little bit about uh, your educational background, your ministry background, where you're serving right now, those sorts of things. Oh, thank, thanks for the opportunity to do a little bit of sharing. So. I am, I'm a pastor in Queens, New York, of a fantastic church in, in the neighborhood of Woodside. It's a diverse group, and it's a growing group, and it's a joyful group. Um, and as far as my educational background, I went to Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary and got my MDiv there. And then recently, and this work is a derivative, this book is a derivative of my work at Concordia St. Louis, where I, where I received my doctor of ministry. Very good, very good. And um, how long have you been in Queens? Did you, did you say that already? Maybe I missed it. I didn't say. I've been there now for 14 years. So I, I was assigned there right out of Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary in 2008. Okay, very good. So uh, one congregation that you served your entire ministry thus far, but That's in right. a very interesting part of the country um, for those who are familiar with the Wisconsin Synod, not prototypical Wisconsin Synod, probably certainly a diverse uh, amount of experience in that way. And, and like you mentioned, we're talking about your book, uh, Deep as the Sea. Could you, could you tell us what the impetus for the book was? Uh, may, maybe that comes out of your impetus for the doctoral work, but uh, where did this whole, whole thing come from? I, I suppose the Lord had this for me for you know, he has his plans. And I, I don't know if there was any one moment where all of a sudden it was like, you got to write this book. S some of it comes from my pastoral experience where I noticed that there was a gap in resources for survivors of trauma. And I think every church, our church is, is not unique in that regard, but there's, there's people that need a word about trauma from the Lord and I saw that opportunity and I think Northwestern Publishing House did too so mm -hmm. I'm really thankful that Northwestern NPH did that. Um, it also comes from my own experiences too. I, I can, I've had experiences that I can, I can rightly say that I faced my own death and went on and um, that was something that I had to personally wrestle with. In, in God's word. Mm -hmm. So like this was, it was something that was heavy on my heart that I wanted to get this done. And if the Lord can use my experiences along with others to provide a resource for the church, then he gets the glory. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. It's a, it's a great blessing to be able to speak from a, a place of understanding um, you're, you're not someone looking in from the outside on trauma. You've experienced it yourself, and certainly that, was, that itself was, was not a great thing necessarily, but now that you're able to bless other people who've had a similar experience, right. that's a very powerful thing. Um, why, why did you choose the writing approach you did of letters? It, it, the subtitle is Letters for Survivors of Trauma. What, what led you to that writing approach? Yeah, thanks for asking about that. That's... I was, originally when I set out to write the book, I thought I was writing a devotional. And the more I thought about that, the, like framing it that way, the less I liked that idea. Because I think 
in my own mind at least I think devotionals tend to be like these short snippets where you're just you just want to hear from God for five minutes and move on with your day and when I wanted to address a word to survivors of trauma I didn't think that was the right format like I wanted to give something that's profound and and thoughtful and, and comforting and so I, I thought the best way that I can do that would be something a little longer, to be honest. But it, it, it's more than that. Like it, Christians have a long tradition of writing to an audience, like all the way from the Apostle Paul, where mm-hmm. he would write to Corinth. And there's something moving about hearing someone direct words to you. So when I wrote the words, Dear Survivor of Trauma, Dear Survivor, that's kind of how each of the letters work. I'm hoping that that'll move people. Like, this is for me. Mm-hmm. He wrote this for me. Yeah, there's something definitely more personal yeah. about a letter than a book. Now, yeah. and, and you've done both. There's a book that's a series of letters, and uh, that's, that's a really unique and intriguing approach I, I, I believe, and it will be for readers too. Um, when, we're, when we're talking about readers, we're talking about different audiences. And um, obviously, um, perhaps the, the main audience for this book is, is a survivor of trauma. That's who you've addressed the letters to. How might a survivor of trauma use the book? And, and with that, how does it fit into their entire process of de- or all the different tools that they have in dealing with trauma? So Northwestern Publishing House was so gracious in how they worked with me with this book. I even gave input about the size of the book. And they, whoever that was, respected those decisions. And I tried to be thoughtful about all those things. So the book is actually, it's a smallish book because I wanted people to be able to carry it along with them mm-hmm. and, and take it along. So maybe they're sitting on a bus in Milwaukee or a subway in, in New York, or they're sitting in a doctor's office somewhere in Arizona. And it's, I also didn't want the book to be overwhelming because you've just been through an overwhelming experience. The last thing that somebody needs is like a 300 page book. So it's a, it's a nice um, size, small, something that you can, take along with you and mm-hmm. what I wanted it to be is just a quiet little volume where people who are having a hard moment because of something that they experienced where they can open up and just sit with it in the quiet moments during the week and and maybe with a trusted compassionate pastor or friend they could work through some of the um, discussion questions at the end of the book mm-hmm. That was kind of my thought with it, that this would be kind of a take-along. Sure. Yeah, you, you, right at the end there, you mentioned um, with, a, with a trusted friend or, or with a pastor, um, you, you quote some statistics in the book. You, you, you bring to light that a lot of people deal with trauma, maybe more than what people expect. Um, but there are certainly potential readers who, who haven't dealt with it, at least not personally. How might a, a, a pastor use the book, uh, say, in their pastoral counseling or, or in their dealings with their members, whether they know about the trauma that's happening or not, or, or maybe for someone who is um, 
a friend of someone with, with trauma, how might, they, how might they benefit from the book in addition to their friend who went through the trauma? Yeah, I mean, I'll start with the pastor one. I, I am a pastor, so I've thought about like how would I use this book, and I'll tell you how I would use it. I would, I would, when I when somebody goes through something, I would I would have that book, and I'd I'd say, can I come over and visit you? And I'd do a lot of listening, and then say, I, this isn't just going to be a one-time thing. I want to be able to sit with you and and just support you in this. And there, I I we together our church develop this little resource that we can read through together and, and talk about and I want to give that to you now and let's let's meet up again next week. So I'm kind of hoping and thinking that this is a book that every church would have on their shelf and that every pastor would just have that available and I I just have no doubt in my mind that it would be useful and, and helpful. Not because it's so spectacularly written, but because God's word is is powerful, and that's what I hope to get people to to think about. You asked a second question too, but now I'm uh, I, like a well. Let's ask it this way: Maybe I don't know anybody personally who's experienced trauma. Um, would the book still benefit me, and and if so, how? God's word never returns empty, right? I, it, of course it would. It, what, the book is written to survivors of trauma, but of course, it, if you're reading it and you're saying, I'm not a survivor of trauma, one thing I can guarantee is you know somebody who is a survivor of trauma. So if it helps you understand what they're going through or gives you a resource to... Um, see them and validate their experience and even bring hopeful words into their lives, words of life about Jesus, then um, I would say that that's worth it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I read some of it and uh, I mean, I was drawn in uh, to the writing style and um, I could see just, you know, having more awareness of of what you, I think it's in the first letter where you say that 60% of men have experienced trauma and 50% of women, and um, that's a lot. If if our congregations fall into those statistics, that means that one out of every two people, if there are two people in front of you, one of them has experienced trauma. Um, so having an awareness of that and then having some some tools to to think about it and deal with it. Um, so, so when you, you've got this book that you've, you've written for survivors of trauma, it, it has usefulness for pastors who are um, counseling people who've uh, experienced trauma, for family members helping other family members, these sorts of things. But I think uh, uh, most people would say you don't just buy a book on a subject and, you know, my friend is experiencing trauma. Here's the book. Read it. Like, like how do you... How do you have that conversation. How do you introduce this book to, or what, what tips might you offer to somebody who knows that the content of this book would help somebody, but they don't just want to throw it in their lap and then kind of, that's that. You know, what, what, what might you counsel them to kind of maybe break the ice on that subject and say, I, you know, here's a book I, I think you need to read. Yeah, that, that's, that is such an important thing to think about. Like, how do you approach someone who's been... you Like, you know that they've been through something, 
but you don't want to just shove something in their face. And I, I suppose you, each person would want to look at, well, what kind of a relationship do I have with this person? And I guess it would be my hope that it would be a warm one. And you wouldn't want to just shove the book in their gut like it's a football play and they're the running back, but could you, could you invite them to have a cup of coffee if it's in the winter next to um, a warm fireplace and have, give them that cup of coffee and, and just say, you know, I care about you. We've been friends a really long time and um, I can't even imagine what, what that was like, but I, I'm here for you. Do you want to talk about it? And I, I have this book here. I don't know if you want it, but I read it because I want to understand. Can you help me understand? And maybe we could read it together, mm -hmm. you know, and just to have that sensitivity and warm relationship and, and careful relationship. I think that, that's, that's all we can do, right? Right. You don't, we don't want to be another person who harms them mm -hmm. and who is, starts pushing them around and... Mm -hmm. That would be the last thing a survivor needs. Yeah, you mentioned in the in the first letter again. I think uh, that that words can be are very powerful, mm -hmm. and that there there can be an apprehension to how to say something or or what you say might even if you mean it for good, it might be it might be perceived in a in a negative way. So, um, I, th I think that the the idea of reading the book first is a great one. Um, it's probably not necessary, but if you're familiar with it, it's right. going to help you if you're walking alongside somebody at the same time. Um, anytime you have a tool um, that's meant to be a benefit, um, it's important to understand what it's designed to do and what it's not designed to do. And we, we've been talking a lot about what it's for. Is there anything that it's, that it's not for? Is there any expectations you think people might have that they should know up front this is not what this is about. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. This isn't a cure-all. It's not. I don't. I don't think it's a magic trick, where you be. You just. If you're a survivor out there and you're thinking, I'm just going to get this book and all of a sudden I'm going to feel better. It's not how it works. The way that I envision using this book is this is just one tool, and one piece, of a multi-pronged effort to bring healing to tremendous wounds that that are painful and I do believe that God's Word is powerful and active and effective and that it will comfort that it will heal that it will bring life where there's death and to to, to spend time in it is God's Word gonna, is gonna do what it promises to do so if we use it in that way, then we're using it properly. Mm -hmm. You say a, a multi-pronged approach. You're talking about things like community, counseling, per exactly. perhaps medical interventions, things like that, but it's a, it's a comprehensive picture. Exactly, like it, I, the way I talk about it in the book is you're gonna, a survivor of trauma is gonna ha wanna have lots of people on their team, a medical doctor. Th this book's not meant to replace replace the pastor you want to you want to be able to share with the pastor it's not meant to replace counseling um, you you may want to have a counselor and 
it's it's meant to be used in those quiet moments mm -hmm. as as a as a reflection tool a way to engage in god's word mm -hmm. you you've been a pastor in new york city for more than a decade um we hear about trauma that occurs in the news at new york city perhaps one of one of the places where we hear more about the things that happened we uh at the at the time we're recording this there there was a, a shooting in a subway a couple weeks ago there was a big fire i think around the new year um the effects of the pandemic and that kind of it, where it all started here in the u.s and and then obviously the one that everybody knows quite a bit about uh, 9 11 2001 um so there might be some people who are thinking, well, yeah, trauma, traumatic events, they, they're, they're more likely to happen in those big centers of, of population and, and things like that. D does trauma happen in, in the small town, in the small church, in the, in the white-collar Midwest or the, the um, laid-back Deep South? Or, you know, does, does it happen everywhere? The short answer is yes, the short answer is sadly. Wherever there are, there's sin and wherever there's sinners, we are going to violate each other. We're going to perpetrate things against each other. We're going to hurt each other. And I haven't read any statistics that that would say like urban centers have more trauma than say a rural situation. That may be true. If it's true, it's only because there's more sinners there. But you know, from the statistics that I've seen, this is this is everywhere and we can't just bury our heads in the sand and think this isn't in my community it's it is <laughs> and and how do we how do we equip our congregations or or how do we encourage them to to be aware of this and to have the necessary conversations and maybe just broach the subject how do we how do we do better at that as a church body obviously your book is one step but you know, how else can we facilitate this important aspect of our life that we, we deal with? Well, I, I mean, I'm seeing it in our, in, at least in our Wisconsin Synod, Martin Luther College has, I think, a whole virtual conference coming up mm -hmm. on trauma. There's Kingdom Workers has uh, people working with domestic abuse survivors. There's a new module, I think, coming out from Special Ministries that deals with kids who have been in foster systems. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm hardly the only one addressing addressing trauma, and I, I think that I think the answer to your question is just to start talking about it and becoming aware of it. it it's all around us. Like, if you if you watch um, anything on Netflix. The very first, or Disney Plus, the very first thing that'll come up will be like this ad, little advisement that says flashing images or scenes of violence. And the reason why they're doing is that is because they are making survivors aware that that they might see something in there that could trigger them, that's going to bring up these memories. And it would be it would be sad to put it lightly if the church did worse than secular America on caring for the wounded, mm -hmm. like the emotionally wounded. But I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not saying that we are. I think there's mm -hmm. a lot of people talking about this and who are aware of this. 
this is kind of a, a tangential thing, but it's, it, the thought occurred to me as you were talking there. Um, you don't want to make churches paranoid, but is, is there anything in your experience as a pastor or in talking to other pastors, triggers that a congregation might not be aware they're, they're causing? Oh, I, that's, that's a good question. I, any time that you, want, you depict violence, you're going to want to be thinking about whether someone has actually experienced that kind of violence. And you might want to ask the question, do I really need this in, as an introduction or um, do I, or am I just being sensational? That's really just a thought for pastors, but just for, you know, the people who are attending our churches, uh, just to be careful about when they see one of their fellow members go, go through a thing that um, you would be sensitive to that. And maybe the worst thing that you can do is, is kind of make it into a joke or always be talking about it and pigeonhole that person like that's they went through that you know things like that i think just to be a little bit more sensitive to people's experiences yeah that's that's really good advice as a survivor of trauma yourself how did the research and and writing process help you on your personal journey yeah i if you go to the very end of my book the way that i close says it all it because I, I remember actually sitting down to write the end of the book and um, I speak about in the book how someone needs a mission and one of the one of the most important things that survivors of trauma needs need is that it means something that there's some kind of purpose in it and this book's not the only reason why I suffered what I suffered but it's certainly one of them. So at the end of the book, I said something along the lines of, I'd have to open it up again, but this was God's purpose in my life to be able to write this book. And then I say, your turn, period, Tim. And that's the end of the last letter. So yeah, I would say that this book had a tremendous part of it was part of my process and healing mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. and uh, uh, when you say your turn it sounds like what you're what you're hoping is as, as a sort of a main purpose of the book is that people will find a purpose in their trauma yeah yeah, I, I, that's exactly it. And and for me, it was it was writing a book, but only because, only because I'm a pastor. Like that, that's what God had for me. He, he wasn't gonna let me just walk away from the ministry and act like nothing happened. He he needed me to preach about it. He needed me to write about it. And so what I went part of the reason why I went through what I went through, is so that other people could, could, hear that word from God and then get pushed forward in their own way. Mm-hmm. So like if they, I'm thinking about survivors who have a vocation as teacher, 
now they're going to, they're not pastors, right? They, maybe they're not writing a book, but they're going to minister to kids now. You see what I'm saying? It's mm -hmm. your turn. or it, And it, it can go down so many different paths. Like, where are we going to get, where's God going to get these wins? Because we know that he never wastes a hurt. Mm -hmm. He never does. Yeah, that's that's really, really powerful, really profound. Um, I suppose there's the possibility that someone finishes reading the book and they, they might feel like they haven't reached the point they were hoping to or they haven't got as far as they wanted to or didn't quite accomplish what they were expecting. What, what would be your message to them? Yeah, I, I, would, I would say that God is faithful and he's going to bring healing in, in his time and in his way. There's a, there's a quote, I think it's in the book, by Eugene Peterson. And he says that prayer pursued, pursued long enough always results in praise. And he was talking about, about the Psalms. So you might think of reading the book like you're reading a psalm. It's amazing how a psalm of lament can, bring, can begin with so many questions. Why God? And even accusations against God, like God becomes his enemy. But then in the space of a few verses, it, he ends in prayer. And I don't think that what the Holy Spirit's teaching us with a psalm like that is that if you get to the end of the book or the end of a psalm, that you certainly um, are going to be fully healed by the end of it. I, by no means. But I do think that it's a promise from God that when we pursue Him, even, even our, our prayers of lament, our accusations, when we remember His great acts of salvation in the past, especially in Jesus Christ, that He will work that healing that we're working for. And one of the things like about this book that was so important to me was I didn't want survivors to think that healing is something that we accomplish. That if I just do the right things, if I go to my counseling and I talk to my pastor and I read this book, that all of a sudden you're going to feel better. It, it never works that way. It, it always is accomplished by God. And he's going to use all kinds of different things and people and resources to get us there. But we can remain confident that he will get us there. Yeah, that's, wow, that right there is, you've said a lot of great stuff. What's the most important idea you want readers to take away from this book? <laughs> I don't know if there's like one, one idea. So one of them's at the end of the prologue, and it's about who God is. That's what's. That's so easy to get lost in all this talk about trauma and and the pain that survivors feel. I've been there. But think about who who God is: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is our Father, which means that He's in relationship with us. He does redeem with the blood of His own Son, which makes me have to believe that He can redeem also our experiences. And he does send his Holy Spirit. Like we're, we're on the cusp of, of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit's the counselor. He's the paraclete. He's the comforter. Like, so 
trauma is real, but but just as real is our triune God. So, I, you know, to put the focus back on Him and who He is for us. But also, maybe a second idea, which is inevitably linked to the triune God, would be the power of the Word. He's the one who gave us the Word. It's no surprise that it's powerful and it's effective. And I, I think it's we lose that a little bit sometimes, where we think that the Word sort of just makes us wise for salvation. It does do that. And that, I mean, that's its greatest work of all. But it's not its only work. And it does also um, guide and direct our emotional life, our spiritual life. And where we're dead, where we're hurting, the Word even speaks into that. So the power of the Word would be the second thing. Good, real good. Um, one other question. I should have asked it earlier. There are plenty of teens, young adults, who experience trauma. Is this book for that demographic? Maybe. <laughs> I, that would be something to ask them. It would be interesting to put the book in their hands and say, is this meeting you where you're at? One of the things that I did in my research was I, I asked adults that question. I never asked that of teens. Um, it could be if there was, if there was someone to come around them and, and, and work through it with them. But I also wonder if there needs to be another book just for them. That, that, that question is sort of beyond me, I think. So it is an interesting question. Maybe you want to write a second book. Um, <laughs> do another doctor. Or somebody else could. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, a recurring theme as we've had this discussion here, for me, has been partnership. The book is part of a, a multi-pronged approach to dealing with trauma. Um, but it also sounds like the book perhaps might be more effective if it's done in a two-person setting or um, uh, maybe a small group. I, I'm not sure if maybe if a, a survivor's group, a trauma survivor group, or, or something like that. Would, would you agree with that, that, that this book is, 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 I don't want to say best necessarily, but that there's definitely a benefit to d reading it alongside somebody else? Yes, absolutely. And the, the reason why I say that and I try to make a big deal about this, like especially in the beginning of the book, is what survivors of trauma most need, they may not know it, is what uh, another author calls a compassionate witness, where your hurt and your pain need to be validated and heard and respected and um, loved, ultimately. And so to be able to read that in a group setting or just uh, with two people um, is, is extremely powerful. I, there's one pastor who actually started using the book and he would meet with the person. And he said for several weeks they just read the same chapter over and over and over again because they just couldn't get past that chapter. They, they had to keep talking about it. But he said, he shared with me that 
it is changing this person's life little by little, like putting the building blocks back in place. And uh, like I said, that's, I don't think that has anything to do with who I am or the, the writing style or, you know, no. But it has everything to do with two people spending time together in God's Word. It's, it's powerful. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, uh, Tim, uh, Pastor Borman, for taking the time to have a conversation with us about your book, Deep as the Sea, Letters for Survivors of Trauma, available from Northwestern Publishing House. Uh, we certainly are thankful that God has used everything in your life to bring you to this point, and we certainly hope that um, the book and your continued ministry uh, further his kingdom and serve his people. So, thanks. Thank you, and thank, thank you to Northwestern Publishing House for, for doing this, and for, it says a lot about what you're doing to, to put out a book like this. We're very happy that. to carry it. Yeah. <laughs>